If you want to support our podcast financially, please visit patreon.com slash IIMBSB. Also, email us with questions or ideas at ifimaypodcast at gmail.com. So, on today's episode, we have a really fun conversation with Ali Gluckman. She's a skin therapist, a learned student of astrology, one of the wisest people I know, and happens to be my cousin. And we talk a fair amount about astrology, including a segment where we explore the four signs that people tend to drag the most and highlight some beautiful qualities that those signs possess. And then Allie and I talk a bit about our grandfathers, who were brothers, and how the older generations of our family and the type of families we were raised in inform the ways in which we want to show up for the generations to come. And next week will be episode 10, which will be the last one of season one. So we'll take a few weeks off after that and plan for what we're doing in season two. And then we will be back with season two after that. Welcome to If I May Be So Bold, a podcast about relationships. The ones we have with others, the one we have with ourselves. And given that Dan and I are a couple, you're going to be hearing about our relationship too. I'm Dan Epstein, a recording artist, former opera singer, and relational coach. I'm Justin Waring Crane, a therapist, recovering perfectionist, and karaoke star. Um, so our guest is the spa witch, Allison Gluckman. You go by Allison or Allie? Oh, I feel like Allie, I'm coming back to that. (laughs) Okay. A return. Yeah. Triumphant. Mm -hmm. Um, and Allie is a, a wise person. That's what comes to mind. An esthetician, an astrologer. Allie, would you describe yourself as an as an astrologer? Is that how you, what you would say? I feel like I am a lover of and a student of astrology for sure. But um, yeah, I'd put it like that. <laughs> but, okay, so I think there's different levels because there's people who like know the signs mm-hmm. um, and like know their mm-hmm. like kind of their three main placements, and then maybe some others. Then mm-hmm. there's people who kind of are like, I feel like intermediates where they like know a little more, like know the more deep cuts, the nodes and uh, like intersections and stuff. But I feel like you can tell when somebody has like an actual relationship with astrology, like you like speak it as a language. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like it's very, it's always been very intuitive for me. Um, and absolutely. Yeah. It's like how I see the world. So it's for sure my language. Um, but also like with big reverence to like how complex it is. I feel like I've always said to myself when I'm like 70, I'll feel like I can speak to the complexity of astrology, mm. you know? And like another thing, I've noticed is when I talk to you about astrology, I'll be like, oh yeah, like I'll refer to someone like, oh, that person's a Scorpio or whatever. And you like have an emotional reaction. And it's usually, it's usually of like a, of adoration or of like, 
um, admiration. And I think that's notable because like, you know, some people use astrology in a more reductive way where it's like as a way to like kind of be to kind of like hate on people or like disregard people. Um, and I'm curious of like as someone who who knows more than than we do, like, how do you view that? Like, how do you view that way of dealing with astrology? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've noticed that and I've also been that person. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like that is kind of like the new age version of like old astrology, which is like really deterministic, like, um, and predictive. And I actually don't really believe in predictive astrology because I feel like you can look at someone's chart and you can, you know, you can see so many um, kind of themes and archetypes, but like, there's really no way to predict how like a person is going to live out their chart. Um, And I feel like every person, the cool thing about astrology is like every astrologer who looks at a chart is going to bring their own unique symbolism to that. So I'm going to basically project all over that. And, um, yeah, so I just think that you kind of have to let people show up and you can't really make assumptions about them. Definitely, like, I can see people's motivations and um, things that, I guess, certain, like, archetypes that might resonate with them as a person, like, you know, having a Pisces moon. I know imagination and dreams are going to be your jam, whether or not you realize it or not. And then I also think too, like your unique childhood and upbringing and um, if it was safe to like live out, live out those aspects of your chart um, in your, in your family of origin and things like that. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like there's a, um, a need and maybe there's like a lot of people doing this now, like, but when you said, um, whether or not it was safe for people to express an aspect of their chart or their personality growing up, like then it's like, that's such a nice intersection with like trauma and like family of origin work, you know? So like trauma informed astrology, I feel like is probably out there now. And like, we need that. Yeah. And I want to go back to that term. You said deterministic. Um, So that makes me think of like, you're kind of saying, oh, well, if these are your placements, then the true version of you is this. So like, you just haven't realized that yet or something like in, it was that like kind of what you mean? Yeah, totally. Or like, um, yeah, if you have this placement, then like this bad thing's going to happen to you, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think that astrology used you know there's so much around like consciousness and astrology and how our consciousness has evolved and how we're using it differently today but like back in the day it was used like i'm gonna cast this chart to see if we're gonna like win this war this battle you know um so i don't feel as though we need to show up that way anymore with astrology which is pretty cool And for your own personal journey you said that it's really changed for you like over the years. So can you walk us through like how you used to do it versus how you do it now and what that transformation was like? Yeah. I mean, so I'll just start by saying that I'm a Taurus. So I'm, I'm pretty stubborn <laughs> and, um, I, I have the experience of being narrow-minded at times. Um, 
So when I was younger, I, it was almost like before I actually studied astrology, I was like kind of like taking a collection of like my experience of people. And then like, basically like putting those together and being like, Oh, this is what a Libra is like. Um, but a lot of the times it was almost like an avoidance. It was like, Oh, I don't like, (laughs) I don't like this quality of this sign. So I'm not going to interact with them. Um, or, um, getting, you know, getting someone's birth time of somebody I just met and doing their chart Mm -hmm. and, feeling like I know everything about them, um, based on that. And again, like kind of using it almost like, um, almost like some form of like from some form of protection, like I'm going to stay away from this and I'm going to go towards that. Um, whereas now I've kind of learned through, yeah, just through being and through relating with others and through other astrologers that I really can't, I really it's like it's a snapshot an astrology chart, but it's also like so expansive and so big. So um, I think that the most interesting thing that happened was um, an ex-partner of mine. I, I did his chart and I had his birth time wrong. So this whole time I was like seeing him through this lens of like, oh, we're not going to get along. This isn't going to be good. And then a few years later, I actually found out that was the wrong time. And he's this whole other person with this whole other chart. And that really showed me that like a lot of this is how I'm, how I'm seeing it, you know, and not necessarily like who this person is. So that was a pretty interesting um, instance. And I could talk more about that person and their astrology because it's fascinating. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, will you like, what were some of the the qualities or you're like, Oh my God, I thought this person was like this and actually like, yeah, I was reading into it. Yeah. So, um, the first time I did their chart, it was a lot of air. And as somebody who's like very watery, very emotional, I was like, I don't think that this person is going to be able to like see me or connect with me. Um, specifically like an Aquarius moon. And I was just like, no, that's not going to work with my cancer moon. And then um, when I did the chart again, it was a Pisces moon. And that, you know, that is definitely a very like empathic, sensitive soul um, who really just hadn't learned to develop that, you know, capacity yet, um, Mm -hmm. which is why I wasn't seeing it. Yeah, I know. I feel like it can be so tempting to like block ourselves from like use that, like just to um, like almost as reasoning for, you know, limiting ourselves or like, I remember, um, I dated like a bunch of like guys with like an Aquarius sun and like, didn't go well. So I was just like on my dating profile, I was like, no Aquarius need apply, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it was just like, I was like, you know, that I think it was like protection, but it was also just like, you know, kind of limiting. So it was just, and not really like, that's not really like an accurate way of like using astrology, but I do want to talk more about like romance. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Just generally. Maybe you could tell. Love it. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't know. Like how does this like show up like in your romantic relationships now? Like I know you're saying like you don't run and like get their birth time immediately and like go do their chart or maybe you do, but you're not like, um, using that as like the be all end all for like who that person is, but how do you use 
astrology mm-hmm. romantically now? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that um, I feel safe to look at someone's chart after I've like let them shown up for a little bit. So maybe I make like a rule of like no doing someone's chart until like the sixth date or something like that. Um, or maybe after like a few months, I heard one astrologer, I think Jessica Lanyadu said like, mm-hmm. you shouldn't look at someone's chart until like three months into the relationship. Um, that way you're like giving somebody the chance to show up without making these assumptions or being like, oh, I don't like that placement. That That doesn't look good, you know? Mm-hmm. Or like filling in the gaps of like, oh, like this person's behaving this way, but I see this in the chart. Oh so like God. it's coming. Yeah. Or it, the know. opposite of that, which is like fantasy of like, um, you know, oh, I see this thing in this chart. So maybe they're not showing up this way now, but in the, I feel like they have the capacity to do this and then it never happens. And you're just really disappointed. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think as always, it's a it's a tool of connection and like understanding self. So um, I don't often do like synastry, which is like two people's charts together, but that can be really cool. Um, you can cast a chart of like your relationship, which is really awesome. Um, like kind of where you two meet together. But mostly, you know, if if I can be of support to somebody like, you know, if there's something that they are struggling with, um, that's kind of how I would, I would use it today. But, and just for fun. I mean, I just recently did, um, someone's chart who I have a crush on and I shouldn't have done mm-hmm. that. <laughs> it's like, it was so good. It was so good. It was so <laughs> compatible with mine, but like, he's kind of, um, emotionally unavailable. So I got to keep oh. moving. Oh, Wow. I, yeah, I actually was wondering if you don't mind, because you were in a a pretty long-term relationship um, fairly recently. Um, so could you, is there anything that sticks out in terms of like knowing that person's chart and sort of interacting with the person and like what you knew about their, you know, Zodiac that like kind of played into the story of the relationship? And also, if you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Um, no, I'm pretty open. I, uh, anything that stands out. I mean, I think that what I was just speaking to where like, I, so I was dating somebody who I felt like, um, kind of emotionally like a disconnect between us. Um, but you know, I felt like there was all this potential for that. Um, because you know, our moon, our, our, we had like a sextile between our moons and which means that they really flow. There's an ease there. And like, you know, the moon is this placement of um, this kind of internal environment, um, the unconscious safety, nurturance, all of that good stuff. Um, So, and then, yeah, just a lot of other, a lot of other signs that were compatible. Um, And so I think that there was this expectation for me that like this person could show up for me. Um, And I have this experience with other people who have um, moons that are in a water placement where it's almost like we can just like read each other's minds. And that's, that's part of my stuff where like I expected my partner to like be able to anticipate my needs instead of like, you know, sharing that um, and speaking up and building that intimacy. But that was a really big struggle. Um, And I think that I just, it's like, I still to this day will be like, I see who you are. Like, I know who you are, but like, Hmm that's a disconnect and that that hasn't really shown up, you know? 
So you were ex- expecting that he would have the tools and the ability to like meet your needs or understand your needs or recognize I think them. the understanding was it? really big. Um, and mm-hmm. the meeting of the needs, that's, that's a tough one. But I think it was the like, oh, like, mm, this is a really like beautiful, watery placement. Like, I feel like I'll be able to like feel safe in that um, as somebody with a lot of cancer in their chart, you know, but that mm-hmm. just wasn't the case at all. So do you feel like he hadn't really nurtured those aspects yes. of his so chart? That's, that's the thing that I learned was that like he grew up in a home that um, it was not safe to be a sensitive person. Um, mm. And mm. almost like he was like, you know, he was conditioned and rewarded for, for not crying, you know? And that breaks my heart, mm-hmm. but, um, it made a lot of sense after I got to know that story, but it doesn't necessarily make it any easier for him to, to let that down and to let those, those emotions in. And, and it was, yeah, it was a situation where like my needs were, um, basically making him feel unsafe or like my want for him to express his emotions. So it was just mm-hmm. this big collision, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that a pretty gradual process of being able to recognize what the issue was? Yeah, it definitely was not obvious <laughs> at first. Yeah. And um, even, you know, there was a hesitancy to talk about like childhood. Um, that was something that was such a big difference. Like I, um, I wanted to trauma bond and talk about all the awful things that happened to me in childhood. And he was very much like, that shit doesn't matter. Um so that was, that was tough, but in time with like, you know, growing slowly, growing intimacy and, and some trust. Um, and then just being able to like be away from that relationship. Now I can kind of see that very clearly, you know. Did you notice, Allie, like as you were getting more into astrology, did you notice like the certain um, signs or certain placements that you were really drawn to, but that you felt like you were drawn to in like a toxic way or like it was just like (laughs) I'm drawn to this because it's like reminds me of something (laughs) that really hurt me or something like that? Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I think that like, your like opposing sign in astrology can be like a really powerful um, tool for like seeing the parts of you that you have yet to develop. Um, but it can also be like really intense. And uh, so that's me and Scorpio. So I had a lot of, a lot of like, I just see a Scorpio. I don't even know what's happening and um, just a lot of intensity. And when I was younger, it was like, it was, both of us kind of playing out the like unevolved aspects of our signs, um, which is for Taurus and Scorpio, a lot of possessiveness and jealousy. And by a, by opposing, you mean polar, right? Mm-hmm. Like on yeah, the ex- polarity, exact exactly. opposite end of the earth yep. side of the, the circle. So like 180 mm-hmm. degrees from you. So that was Justin, I think you and your Aquarius. Oh, really? Was- <laughs> Aquarius is polar to Aries? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh no, they're Leo. I'm sorry. That's you and uh, Libra. Libra. Okay. Yeah. I had yeah, a, yeah. I had a really tough Libra. Yeah. So Shout out to me and Pisces. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Dan and, Pisces, Dan and his Pisces. Yeah, yeah. I've experienced that. And that is my version of it is like something about the retreating, like wise, like disturbed version of the Pisces that like I could really get reeled into. So good. Yeah. I think that my, yeah, the other sign for me is um, Aquarius too. And I think that I really like wanted to be that person who could be like so detached and like free and liberated, Mm. but I just wasn't. And so (laughs) it was like very much me inflicting pain on myself, um, trying to be this person who I'm not, you know, I really relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, do you have anything about the Libra thing? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I was thinking relating to the Aquarius part of like, yeah, feeling like I needed to like there was something wrong with me that I wasn't more like detached and like intellectual and like aloof. And then I could just like will that to happen. Um, and like, of course it didn't work. Um, but then, yeah, then with, with my Libra situation, I wonder what I was like needing to learn from that. Like if there was like a levity that I was like needing to learn, like for like the way that he was sort of like, you know, kind of like, let's just like see where this goes. Like he didn't say that. Like, so he was like, you know, let's just say that he was not a good person, (laughs) but, uh, uh, well he was just like, you know, he was acting like it was a very serious thing, but like, I think his actual way of being was like floating around and like that kind of like stereotypically Libra way of like, let's just like see where this goes. And like, it's can be like kind of, Mm. um, free and like light and I think yeah right (laughs) but I think I could like you know like learn something from that like I can get really like bogged down and like serious and just like I Mm. need to know like exactly what's gonna happen and so I think that would have been you know I couldn't I didn't wasn't able to learn it with that person but maybe it was something I need to figure out and um did we say we said you're an Aries Justin oh yeah No, we didn't. We didn't. Well, yeah, we sort of did. We sort of did. Justin's an Aries. I'm a Virgo and I re- I'm very Virgo. I have so much Virgo placement. And I relate to that in the sense of like, I, I don't know. And Allie, tell me if this feels on to you, but like Virgos are not like the most easy breezy, right? Safe to say. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think I, my best friend was a Libra. And it's like, that's not the polar sign for me, but it's the one right Mm -hmm. next to me. And he was like, so able to like, be like big and like take big swings, um, take big swings, like comedically and like, just like in social situations. And I never felt that kind of ease. And I always felt like I, yeah, like I should be more like that. Yeah. I, the sign that's really interesting with the sign that like, succeeds you is almost like this um yeah it's like this not I guess compensatory it's like um for example like Aries is like you know just just go like just be the first just like really intense like moving out energy and then Taurus is like compensating for that by slowing the f down and like being really still Mm -hmm. so the sign right next to you it can feel like almost like challenging because you're like you are what I'm not um 
and that's really interesting and really cool to learn from. But yeah, I would say that it's not super chill to be a Virgo. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with all the Virgo that you have, Dan, like Mm -hmm. Virgo, Sun, like Virgo, Moon, like Jupiter, you know, all that stuff. And like you, Dan posted his chart in response to this person on Twitter who was like, yeah, Ariana Lenarski, who's very funny. Send me your chart and I'll like, do like, like few words for you. Like what you should like think about or work on, or I don't know. Um, No, it's she, she says, post your chart so I could yell at you. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. But like to response to Dan, like the first words were like, Oh my God, like hilarious chart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like my chart was like a gag. It was like a clown chart. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. You've got so much Virgo. And I was just going to say that I, I feel like Virgo is one of those signs that's like hated on. And I kind of what you were Mm -hmm. speaking to in the beginning of our conversation, like I think it's important to speak to the magic of like every single sign. Like we all are bringing Mm -hmm. something. It's just a little bit different. Um, and so yeah let's so let's do a little quick the most hated signs and let's shout out the beautiful <laughs> things about them so i think we should do gemini virgo gemini. leo would we say mm. leo no not so I much i think scorpio is most hated too yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe pisces too yeah so, nobody gets them right yeah <laughs> okay so let's start that's with it. gemini because i feel like that's the gold standard oh my god so what people say negative about Gemini's, right? Like in dating, they'll like do you dirty. I feel like is one of the big mm-hmm. things you see. Liars. Yeah. They're chaotic. <laughs> chaotic. <laughs> Loud. Loud. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Talk a lot. <laughs> Lots of talking. Very mm-hmm. unfiltered. Great. Mm-hmm. And then so what do we love about Gemini's? I know Justin uh. can weigh in on this too. <laughs> I just think they're so fun and like I love talking so like it's just for me like it's and I like mm-hmm. when people are unfiltered because I feel like <laughs> I struggle with that like I want to be less filtered but then I get scared and yeah so I edit myself a lot so yeah I just admire that like free wheelingness and just like I think they're so creative so yeah it's just been my and, experience sure. and I Justin has Virg, uh sorry Gemini um venus moon. And, and moon. venus yeah um but it, it is a big i noticed that early on when we started dating that her love language like yeah communicating about what's really going on was felt there was a lot of intimacy for us there mm-hmm. so that that was cool i mean yeah. that was yeah, yeah that was big. i liked finding that out that's so yeah. cool big think- communicators for sure and like um yeah, it's just like lots of lots of learning. I think that's the beauty. I have my my Mars is in Gemini, so it's like I'm very passionate about learning. You know, mm-hmm. that's where that's what kind of steers me through the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, learning definitely fun. Um, and it's like they're they're these little like mercurial people. Like <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> they just want to have a good time for sure. What about Scorpio? <sighs> They're my favorite. Let's talk about what people shit on Scorpios about first. Oh my God. Who wants to start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like I know a lot of people who love Scorpios, but it seems like the vengeance part of it, maybe. (laughs) Secretive. Jealous. Jealous. They don't, they don't trust easily. 
Mm. And I think like archetypally, they're like, they're like the underworld, you know, they're super shadowy. So like people that want to be all like love and light all the time, it's not the sign for them. Yeah. (laughs) It's like no fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ali, you should say because you, I know you have a lot of good things to say yeah, about Scorpios. What should we love about Scorpios? Oh Teach us. They to love. are so powerful. They are. Um, I feel like they are the true healers of of the zodiac. Um, they just have this like power to like transmute energy. Um, I'm just so inspired by them, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like it's definitely that archetype of of power but it's like how do you want to use it you know some scorpios are like exercise junkies um some of them are like the most insane wonderful magical healers so it's interesting how that gets expressed and my nephew is a scorpio so oh yeah judah yeah (laughs) he's probably gonna listen to this he's oh my god he's three years old right four or four years old he's 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 three three, right empath healer baby Mm. yeah he like knows what's going on in like any situation i feel like (laughs) truly yeah and he also i think like demonstrates power like responds to like powerful sounds and like gestures (laughs) and stuff i like how he'll just like roar really loud like (laughs) come into a room just like roaring (laughs) yes that's accurate I love that about him. Okay, let's do Pisces and then we'll do Virgo. I think people shit on Pisces for being so hypersensitive mm-hmm. and being like Martyr. unable to mm-hmm. f- unable to function kind of in ways that are easier for other people because they're so emotional and sensitive. And um, like people make fun of them for being like on their phone in their bed, like, you know, their whole their whole the whole day you know just kind of like in their sadness yeah they are they are martyrs they like literally are the martyrs though um, to <laughs> to stick up for them um yeah i think the the thing that gets me i, I want to make it personal but um yeah sometimes i'm like this this is delusion you're delusional yeah. um <laughs> and then there can be some some darker qualities like um in in that needing to escape that can show up as like addiction for some people, um, which is really interesting. Right. Totally. Yeah. You could totally see. Yeah. Like the Pisces INFP. Exactly. That's like so sensitive and tender and like has like a really intense dark streak. And then the things we love about Pisces, they have such a capacity to, um, such a capacity for sensitivity and wisdom and like seeing the truth and i think dark humor too anything else they're really like the definition of far out you know (laughs) they're yeah they're like (laughs) spiritual teachers i'll say for sure Mm. and artistic (laughs) cool all right let's bring it home with the virgins (laughs) virgins yeah, people hate on Virgo. People often say that Virgos are like perfectionists and like type A and all that spreadsheets. stuff. Spreadsheets. Everyone's like Excel <laughs> yeah. spreadsheets for so, everything. I feel like the Excel spreadsheets is like a Capricorn thing, but like um, oh, okay. Virgo, sure. like mm-hmm. this is how I understand it. That that is so hard for me. It's like 
Virgos are trained to see the problem and to fix it, you know? So it's mm. like, if you want to hear about problems all day long, you should hang out with a Virgo, you know? Mm. <laughs> but they will fix it too. Shit. But they're yeah. going to run through every scenario <laughs> of how it could go wrong, you know? <laughs> if you have anxiety, yeah. Yeah. it's not the most fun. I think people think Virgos are not, are not fun in part because they're like uptight mm-hmm. and critical mm-hmm. like hypercritical yeah very critical like but that's that's their role like you know that's their role that they're bringing is like um i'm gonna mm-hmm. make sure that i troubleshoot this you know and, and that i make this the best possible version that it could be yeah so that's kind of a positive and then virgos are balanced mm-hmm. right people talk about virgos <laughs> being balanced no what do you think I mean, the Virgos I know are like all very sensitive um, and like have like a, are like have a lot of compassion, I would say. Um, Yeah, I feel like that's true. And that vulnerability is really hard for them mm -hmm. in my experience. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, the perfectionism, um, I think there's a lot of anxiety being a Virgo yes Mm -hmm. definitely and the beauty yeah I feel like we're like we're more we're in more of a gray area here (laughs) yeah I'll say that um I as somebody who does not have a great attention to detail like you do want a Virgo on your team for getting those really fine tuning the details like that Mm -hmm. is really what they where they shine you know um and I think that Bringing it back to the the idea of like the virgin, like they they really do want to just be of service mm-hmm. and to help people. You yeah. know, nice, good segment, everyone. So your so our grand our grandfathers were brothers. My my grandfather Marvin was the older brother. Your grandfather, Lewis, was the younger brother. My grandfather was like the doctor, like went to Harvard, uh, really, really scientific and like such a good learner. Gemini. Gemini, right. He, was, he famously was born on Flag Day. And when he was a kid, he thought everyone was raising their flags for his birthday. <laughs> he used to tell that story. And he like made such a big deal of his birthday throughout his whole life. Aww. Um. But your and your grandfather Lewis was like the younger brother, the musician, more like creative. Mm. Um, but your side of the family had more like intense hardship and tragedy. Um, and when I would come and spend time with your side of the family, I would notice how close and like intimate the relationships felt on your side, where there was drama and there was like more bluntness and like fighting. <laughs> in that hardship but you could feel the closeness that like it brought and it made me reflect on my side of the family we're like we're we're close but the on an emotional level it feels more formal it feels more like it feels less of that like intensity um that like intense closeness um and i'm curious what you think about that and if you have any 
ideas about it. Well, I'll just say that it's always really interesting and cool to hear you talk about our side of the family from where you are, because, of course, I have a a different experience growing up in that. But I think that you're right. I think that, um, like, you know, even just looking at, like, my grandmother, like, she went through some shit. Like, you know, she had some major tragedy. Um, And I I wouldn't say that she's the most... um, mm, emotional person um but i think that Mm. that it's really informed her to like express care and like express how much she loves you because she's lost a lot um Mm. so she was always you know really big on that and you know um yeah i think that we are I, i think that you're right it's like we've experienced a lot of loss and so it's almost like i feel like you know our my cousins like you know Susie and sammy they're like sisters and um there was definitely some making up for, for some loss. Um, Mm. yeah. And yeah, I don't know what it is about the arguing, but we, we definitely argue a lot. (laughs) Like, yeah, I just remember my Ella, my older sister and and my grandfather, Lewis, just fighting, getting into it. Um, whereas I don't know that that would happen. Yeah, no, we no exactly. We didn't have that. I feel like Ella would tell some story about, your grandfather being like, you're such an asshole to her. Or exactly. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what stands out. He's, he called her an asshole. <laughs> but oh, she, wow. Yeah. She's just always been really like opinionated. And, you know, if she disagrees with you, she's going to tell you. And, and my grandfather is an mm-hmm. Aquarius. And I don't think you disagree with an Aquarius. I don't think you do that. When you guys think about like what you, you guys like you were in the same family, but you had different experiences. Like, but what are some of the maybe shared experiences or like maybe you you had different experiences, but now you're coming away with this like shared uh, desire, or like motivation to like heal something in yourselves or like as you have your own family or you're in these like more parental roles, like you like with your nephew, with Judah, it's like you're like in that like caretaking role with him, you know, like, yeah. Like what do you want the next generation of like your guys' family to, to get from you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like Dan and I have talked about this just like in some ways, like um, how we feel like we are a little bit different in our families than, than like necessarily our siblings or our parents and how um, it's almost it's uncomfortable and hard to like be on on this journey of like healing from a lot of um things that have been handed down or just wanting to show up differently and I think specifically like more vulnerably and um Mm -hmm. honestly and uh I know uh, I I'd be curious what you think about this Dan because you mentioned that your family Mm -hmm. isn't the most expressive of emotions but um Mm -hmm. yeah I know for me, for sure, like the biggest thing is like allowing emotion. So like that wasn't, even though we, we just talked about all of this, I feel like um, as this very sensitive child that there wasn't really room for that. And so now yeah. looking at my nephew, who is very, very sensitive, has very big emotions, like even myself, I find myself getting uncomfortable with that. And mm-hmm. um, I really want to just allow for those, for that, you know, for those feelings and, and not, not try to stop them, not try to like, right. 
you know, essentially gaslight. Cause I feel like that's what we do to kids. Like you're fine. It's not mm. a big deal, you know, <laughs> stop crying. Um, so I think that's like, it's interesting. It's a personal journey of like validating my own feelings. And then also like, you know, allowing that with, with somebody like my nephew. Right. I love that. So uh, both my grandfathers were such like, uh, T like Myers, like thinkers, not feelers like Myers-Briggs T's. Um, they're both doctors and the families just, the rules were so important in the family and like the order of everything. And in that, like never made sense to me because my brain is just not like rule based in that way. And I definitely, yeah, the emotional part of it, I think allowing emotions to be what they are and not trying to fix them or control them, I think is such a crucial component. And I am definitely motivated to live that way. I don't know. Just like in our side of the family, I just felt like there was a lot of managing each other, like managing each other's behavior, like kind of calling out the people when they stepped outside of the lines, even in such small ways, as opposed to like celebrating people's essence, you know, like people's real nature and like, mirroring each other i just think that like i see it a little bit as kind of a dichotomy of like there's the mirroring and there's the like noticing what what's happening who someone is and then there's the this is how it ought to be rule-based version of kind of calling it out and like get back in line kind of mentality that i have a really strong reaction when i see that behavior and when i see that parenting because it caused me a lot of confusion growing up because the rules didn't really work for me. Um, I didn't understand them, but I, but I, I like, it made me question myself and not trust myself. Cause I was like, well, these rules that I don't understand. So there's something wrong here. It must be that I just don't understand them, you know, as opposed to these rules, suck. Like these rules don't make sense. Yeah. These rules are stupid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And these rules, might be in existence so that the parents don't have to confront their own emotions. Mm-hmm. Loving hearing you guys talk about your families and I'm just, yeah, I'm so interested in family stuff. And we just started watching the Sopranos. Oh. Like, <laughs> I'm really drawn to oh, like God. any shows or like books, anything about like families. I'm just like really into, I want to watch movies yeah. about families, read books about mm-hmm. families. Like, Sidebar, have have y'all watched um couples therapy that show? Yes. I <laughs> love it. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Dan hasn't seen every episode, um, but he will eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like it. I really I really admire that therapist. Oh, she's, Orna. So get good. Orna. she's so good. Orna, if you're listening, we want you, <laughs> babe. And we'll yeah, we'll pay any amount of uh I don't know. Um, I want to uh, uh, let you plug your stuff, Allie. Can you can you tell us though, like, who are you really um like in awe of right now? Oh, like yeah. any, it could be healers, it could be just like scholars, <clears throat> wise people. Um, anyone like Good that? Question. I mean, who I'm in awe of is always like I'm obsessed with. Adrian Marie Brown. Um, I love her work and her books. Um, they're incredible. And 
What's her work? Um, so she is an Octavia Butler scholar. Um, so she really merges this like theory of emergence and um, she uses the work of like this like liberation of sci-fi um, to kind of like imagine a future. Um, but she wrote this book that is really cool, especially as like a tourist called Pleasure Activism. Um, and that's, that's just beautiful. It's like how we can derive pleasure from like, you know, even like she speaks about, um, like relationship anarchy and just like all of these ways that we can show up as ourselves and, and be activists essentially. Yeah. Other people you're obsessed with or Mm, specific people. I mean, I don't know about specific people, but I've been like really into parts work and like internal family systems lately. Um, Can you tell people a little bit about that who might not know? Yeah. I mean, so parts work in general is like basically, um, it's just, just real. So it's just, um, so I think in like Western, like psychotherapy and like psychoanalysis, we have this idea that there's like this one mind. Um, and I think that this is, as with everything, um, indigenous wisdom, but, um, the idea of parts work is that we actually have, like, we are like, you know, these multidimensional beings and we have these, um, different parts that kind of sometimes can, can run the show and, and kind of control things, um, in our psyche. So like, for example, if something traumatic happened, um, they say that, your psyche splits and you'll develop a part that's kind of trying to manage or control or protect you in that situation. Um, and in, in therapy around parts working, you can actually do this yourself. Um, you can actually talk to those parts and, and tell them like, they don't have to protect you or they don't have to control situations and that you can actually emerge as your true Mm -hmm. self, but also like constantly kind of being in dialogue with these different parts of you. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just really been life-changing for me. Cool. So you can find Allie at, at the spa, Witch on IG mm-hmm. and, uh, what's your business called? My business is called tend and nourish skin therapy. So yeah, I call myself a skin therapist <laughs> and, um, I really just love, well, there's, there's a lot that I love with skin. I mean, I really it's, it's like kind of showing people what the skin actually is. It's like this beautiful protective barrier that we really want to maintain and not, and preserve and not like dismantle or inflame. Um, and just kind of being in good relationship with our skin. Um, so that, that can take a lot of unlearning. Um, and then I also love Mm. to, um, to obviously adorn people's skin with like cool plants and, uh, make them feel really good (laughs) amazing Uh, yeah it's been fun and that's our show thanks for joining us our music is by nightlight we self-produce this podcast so please subscribe rate and review it really helps